incredible. You can turn over in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 55. Um, we're going to we're going to start out there. Um, so uh, we're we're going to conclude this kind of little short sermon series we've been talking about for three or four weeks. Um, and what we've been talking about is embracing humility. All right, and and uh, uh, a number of weeks ago, um, hopefully this is something that will stay with us. Is um, the easiest thing for us to do uh, is to find pride in other people, right? The easiest thing for, for us to do is to assume we're being humble or we're doing God's work when we just call somebody else prideful, all right? And, and, and let's mature past that, okay? I mean, let's go beyond that, okay? It's really, um, I, I do hope that we that we do move past that because there isn't anything easier than if Rich comes to me and he says, wow, Keith, this is going on in my life. And I say, well, Rich, you know what your problem is? You're just prideful. And we're going, well, you're no kidding, dude. Right? Did you get a doctorate degree to tell me that? All right? Um, But sometimes we, it becomes kind of like, who's going to say it first? Like if I say it first, then I have the upper hand, right? What we're talking about is embracing humility, not identifying pride and discipling it out of everybody is we want to embrace it and not just head knowledge but just this deep like yearning for humility and simply what it comes down to is I mean humility is really about making more of God than us and and let me put it even more making more of God than me like for me to make more of God than I want him to make of me Right? Does that make sense? Like, like, in my mind, I think God's strategy should be like to use me in a way that makes me look awesome. And really, I mean, that's really true. Like, I want God to, I want other people to acknowledge. And so I'm just kind of telling you kind of these dark things that go on in my head. Like, like when I walk into a room, I would love for people to go, you know who needs to pray for us right now? Keith needs to pray for us right now. Is there anybody that has something to say that will challenge us? I know who it would be. It would be Keith. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I have some things to say that will really help people. Okay, that's making more of me than God. That's me saying, God, you know what? You really don't have this. You really don't have this, okay? The, the prideful, the, the, the enormous pride, really, in my life is, Keith, you're fantastic. And when God chooses anyone else, um, it, he must have missed something. Um, something's wrong, all right? Pride inside of us is saying, how come people aren't acknowledging me more? How come people don't recognize my greatness? How come people don't recognize my oratory skills? How come people don't? How can that person be given this and not me? All right? And when we, when we embrace humility, we're really just, we're surrendering. We're going, God, you got this. You've had this from the beginning. You took, you took all your people through an ocean for Pete's sake. You did things that we can't even account for. You changed the heart of Pharaoh in order to make it happen. You've done such great things. But here's the hard part, right? When, like, just even this small group right here, it's a smart group of people. It's a smart group of people. Yeah, right. It, it, it really, and, and the problem with that is, is 
Isn't it really easy to think, man, I know so much about, you put the subject in. I know so much about the Bible. I know so much about this, whatever, uh, engineering. I know so much about selling homes and, and, and figuring out valuation. I know so much about, right, agricultural business and, and all of the things I'm doing with my drones and all of that kind of stuff. I'm just picking on these guys right here, okay? Um, but there is that idea where we go, I am so proud of all I know. And it's really easy that we put ourselves in a situation where we begin looking down on people, right? Like that literally happens in conversation, right? It's almost like I pity, man, Alex, I'm really sorry you don't know everything I know. Man, gosh, I wish, we could had, I wish I could talk to you about the things I know, but it's way over your head, <laughs> you know. And, and that's totally overblown. But to a certain degree, there is, listen, that happens in our conversations at times, all right? And we forget that, you want to know what? Whatever it is that you know, God invented it. Whatever it is, the, the person you think is awesome who knew it, right? God invented that person, right? God invented, whoever you think it is, God invented the brain that thought it. He invented the idea. He invented the concept. He invented, so whenever we feel like, you know what, man, I am so awesome because I know so much more. And it might not even be about a subject. It just may be about common sense. Like, man, if people knew common sense, like, I know common sense. Because they're idiots. L- listen, the, here's the truth of the matter is, is we are nothing compared to God. God deserves every ounce of our surrender. That's what humility is about, of going, man, let me be less enamored about me and more enamored about God. Let me be less controlling of my circumstances, and let me let God work. Because you know what? Up until this point, his plans worked out pretty good. Okay? And so, so much of this, we talked a couple weeks ago about he is greater than me. All right? Individually, um, and, and not just like up here, because isn't it easy for everyone to say, oh, yeah, he's greater than me. But practically, like in every ounce of my life, in every relationship, of knowing God is greater in everything. He, he's the greatest at whatever there is. Um, and I'm less, much less. Okay, What I want to talk about this way is his ways are greater than our ways. Like it's very easy to go, yeah, he's greater than me. Um, but man, I can navigate my life because the way he tells me to live life, I mean, what does he know? Like, no, my ways are better than his ways. My ways are superior. We live in a time today where what, what we do is better than what he had in store for us. Okay. Here in Isaiah 55, I really like this little snippet here. I want to just kind of introduce this starting in Isaiah 49. All right. For five or six chapters. What God does is he said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue you people. And I'm going to send my servant, Jesus, to do it. I'm going to send him to you. And it describes Jesus through these, not only who he is, but what he'll do and how he'll do it. All right, for four or five chapters. And it's really interesting because a lot of times we just go, no, 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 I know Isaiah 53, like that's all about Jesus. No, 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 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54 is all about God saying this. And then in chapter 55, he says this, 
in verse 8. Isaiah 55, verse 8, he says, My thoughts aren't your thoughts. Like God is saying, no, 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 how you think about things is not how I think about things. What, what you think isn't how I think. Your ways aren't my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so it really is interesting that here in chapter 55, after he discusses this really crazy scheme of sending his son down to suffer for a rebellious people, it should be in our minds, we should go, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why would he do that? Isn't there a better way? Couldn't he just make the Jews take over, like the empire, the Assyrians and the Babylonians? Couldn't he just make us reign? And he's like, no, you don't understand. That's not how I think. Okay? And this is... Hopefully, over and over and over again, we remind ourselves this. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's greater than me, right? Let, let me, let me, here's what it does in a lot of ways is, let me kind of listen, okay? And this can start even, it, the youngest people in here, okay? It, this is the thing that we all have in common is this temptation of pride of making a whole lot of ourselves, Right? There isn't anything that will make us defensive and argumentative than pride. Okay? And so that's what the beauty is. Embrace this humility and understand here. Okay, what's a New Testament kind of parallel to Isaiah 55? All right? It's over here in, in Luke. You don't have to turn there in Luke 5. It's probably fairly uh, you know, common. Luke 5, uh, verse 5. Remember, Peter's in the boat and he's been fishing all night. Jesus said, well, dude, go and uh, throw the nets over. Like fish the way fishermen shouldn't fish. Like I'm going to tell you to go and dump your nets in a place where you really, people don't catch a lot of fish that way. All right? And, and do you remember what Peter said? Do you remember what he said to Jesus? He's like, I'm tired. I've been up all night. I mean, we can relate to that, right? I mean, you're tired at times. Man, you know, I mean, we're in the summer right now, but like when the semester's going on and your kids are in school and all that kind of stuff, you're like, dude, I'm just tired. I'm tired. All right? And Peter's like, Jesus, I'm tired. We haven't caught anything. And do you remember what Peter said? Hey, hey, listen, because you say so. That's all I need to know, because you say so. All right? I mean, he's not going, yeah, whatever. You're, you're not even a fisherman. Like, if you only knew, and I'm so tired right now. He's like, no, because, because you say so. And, and you're greater than me. And you know more than me. And your ways are better than my ways. And, and you're, man, if you told me to cast my net up on the shore to catch fish, I would go, well, anybody else I'd laugh at, but you, I'd go, there's probably fish up there. Because you say so. That is such a humble position of going, I actually, Peter may have even, I actually know more Jesus than you about fishing. And, and you know what Jesus could have said is, is, dude, I invented fish. I invented water. I invented gills. I invented those things, dude. Do you think I can't fish? Right? I invented fishing. Right? And so it's that idea. I love those parallels of Isaiah 55 and then over in the New Testament, Luke 5, verse 5, okay? Now, here are the things that just kind of are helping me with this, okay? Because I'm telling you, it's like an everyday of a retraining because I find that my, my natural first instinct is about me. 
all right? And, and not, not me in a selfish sense necessarily, but me in a I need to look great sense. I can't be wrong sense, okay? In every way. And you may be going, gosh, dude, you're, what's wrong with you, man? I mean, you're preaching and you're like this. And I'm going, man, if, 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 if you haven't like dug into your character, I'll bet you it's very similar to this. Right, and, and, unless you've kind of got to that place, and you're like, I'm, no, I'm totally humble. Like, really, I'm, dude, correct me however you want, and man, I'm okay with being wrong, and, and, and dude, I'm totally fine uh, with, you know, just making more of other people even. I'm totally fine with, with all that. I'm totally fine with not criticizing. I'm totally fine with not expecting to. I, I, man, I'm just humble. All right, I hope that if you're there, amen. Okay, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I've really met maybe less than five people in my life that are really humble. All right, and that doesn't mean that we're not, I mean like mature, in a mature sense. Okay, I don't mean that it's like it's okay to be, it's not. But, but we've got to be moving in that direction of not just, hey, I hope I become humble, but embracing humility, right? Here's what helps me, okay? Um, I, over here in Psalm 25, just turn to your left in your Bible to Psalm chapter 25, um, so what's helpful when I think about his ways being greater than my way, and I'm just saying, this is like a daily run, like I have to literally write it in my journal to remind myself, dude, you, Keith, you got to start out of the day knowing that his way, whatever happens today, his way is greater than your way. What he has in store is greater. He's smarter than you. Okay, I've got to remember that, okay? And in Psalm 25, verse 4, it says, Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Okay. Here, this is helpful to me. Okay. Because... This changes the way I read every single verse in the Bible. Okay. When it's about me, when it's Keith making something about Keith, do you know how I approach my quiet times? Is I approach the Bible in a way that is, how can you make my life easier, better? Like I want to read my Bible to find out, God, how you're going to make life happy for me today? Like how are you going to give me everything I want today? That's the filter that I read the Bible through oftentimes. Is I read it and I'm like, okay, what can I do today that then God's going to give me good things? Instead of when his way is greater than my way, the way I read the Bible then is this way. Before I open it up is whatever I read today, teach me to do your will. Teach me to love you. Teach me that, that your way is greater than my way. What do you want me to do today that I don't want to do today? Like, direct me and guide me. Do you see the difference there? One is very much like, how can I get something from God? And one is, God, you tell me where you want me to go. What do you want me to say? All right? And he may ask us to do things that we are scared to do. I mean, it's just scary. You may read in your Bible and he's going, listen, you want to know what? You need to go confess your sin to your brother. Going, oh, no, 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 see. That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear good things, God, that you're going to give me. Right? This is helpful right here as we approach 
We approach the Bible as a learner, not as a life manager. And isn't that easy to do? Like, I just want to study my Bible in order to manage life, and so it's easier. And God, if you could just make everything in my marriage easy and everything, and I just want my kids to, like, magically get the gospel, right? And I want all my friends to be perfectly humble. And if I do something wrong, let them have grace on me. And then, God, do you know how much I will love you when you do that? See the difference? Instead of managing my life, we approach it this way in Psalm 25. God, just make your ways known to me. I mean, you want to talk about a prayer. Have you ever struggled with thinking, God, are you answering my prayers? Do you think he'll answer this one? Just make your ways known to me. That's all I want today. Whatever that is, okay? Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. So in Galatians chapter 5, I mean, you have Paul right here writing to, see, the Galatian church was a group of churches. It was a region of churches, okay? And it was a group of churches that wanted so desperately to just have just a humanistic view of Christianity. They so much wanted, like, if they just obeyed the law, God would be happy. If they just did certain things, God would love them. If they just, man, if it was, if, if they had the power to make God happy and to do things. And the book of Galatians was written to say, no, dude, you're missing it. That, does that story sound familiar of church? Right? Oh, we can do something that will make God love us. And man, when things aren't right, God doesn't love us. He's disciplining us at that point because, right, that's what, that's what God loves to do. Just like parents, right? You love disciplining your children. You love it when they're crying. You love them when you've, you've said something. I love when Ellie comes to me and she says, Dad, can I just do something fun? And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. No, you can't do something fun. <laughs> now get your attitude right, and then you'll become a Christian. I love that. Brent doesn't do this as well. So, so Caitlin comes to me, too. She's like, listen... Can, can, can I have good things? And I said, no, you can't have good things because I love saying no to children <laughs> and quenching their spirit. But, but I'm telling you, this is the way we view God sometimes. It's like, you know, when he really does his work, when he is just like hammering you down. And I'm going, what family does that that has good kids? Does your dad do that? He does that. He doesn't give you guys good things, does he? He does? Oh, man. I, did he pay you to say that? Oh, boy. But, yeah, I mean, so it's that idea of, you know, we, the, the church just had this idea of, man, we got it covered, man. We're going to circumcise again, and we're going to get, man, the Gentiles, they're going to jump through our hoops, too, and then God will be happy with us. All right, and they got it all wrong. And you want to know what we do too, in that area, in a lot of in a lot of ways. But here's what's really cool: if we could just hit the erase button in our head and go, if I could erase everything I've ever learned, you may go, "This is like the worst practical advice you could give a Christian." But I'm saying, what if we could erase everything we've ever known about Christianity? And we just read the Bible like it was brand new. Like it, there was no cultural influence. 
There was no, but this is what my group does. There was none of that. It was just looking at this. You know what would happen? We would go, we could begin to read in a way that going, okay, God, whatever I read, your way is the best way. All right? Because the entirety of what we read in the Old Testament and the Gospels is introducing us to God that we would have to go, oh my goodness, you're incredible. This is amazing. Now, whatever you tell me, your way is better. Like whatever I hear, your way is better. All right? Here's what's helpful as well is when we read that way, and I understand we can't just hit the erase button and all that kind of stuff, but we can really strive to read like with brand new eyes of your way, God, is better than our way. You know what ends up happening is we'll have a deep conviction of sin that will transcend political correctness. Right. right now, most evangelical Christians' view of sin is, is kind of like a sword. Like, let me hack away at all the people that are doing something I don't like them doing in the name of Jesus. Right? And, it, and, and what it does, it really shuts down any ability for us to have conversation with people that we disagree with. Because it devolves into a fight. And for too long, we felt like the fight is what pleases God instead of the gospel And realizing that, you know what, man, when God said something was sin, he was saying it because he was telling it to people that he was going to say, but I love you guys. And this is this is going to wreck the relationship between us. And we would be able to read it from a standpoint of not just, again, punishment and damnation and all these things. But we would have a deep conviction of sin and go, you know what, Um, God, because you said this, you're right, whether I agree or not. Because you said so. Here in Galatians 5, this is just, again, kind of those common verses. It says, Paul writes to the churches, he says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. He says, this is what's like churned up inside of just worldliness and worldly people. Sexual immorality, okay? Which, again, it's that idea of, I mean, we can rail against it for real. I mean, there's nothing simpler than preaching a sermon, just railing against it. But really what we need is people who can love people enough to show them, you want to know what? Sexual morality is not fulfilling. Like, you think it's the gospel? You think it makes you feel so good to be sexually immoral? We've got to be a people that embody, embrace humility and embody the gospel enough to love people and show them, no, no, fulfillment is in Jesus. And let me communicate that clearly. Right. But I have a deep conviction, though, here, because God says it. There is no wiggle room when it comes to sexual morality. None. Like you don't play with it. And you're going, well, what, Keith, is that your opinion? No. Here's what he says right here. OK. He, he goes through sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry. Uh, and, th- and this may be one of those ones that, I mean, we can idolize things, man, that really would probably be very convicting. You may idolize your work. You may idolize your sporting team. You may idolize your self. All right? He-, he goes on. He says, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness carousing, and anything similar. I, I love that because, you know, we, we make lists, right? We're going, oh, hold on a minute. See, like what I'm doing now, it's not really in that list. <laughs> it's kind of a 
hybrid of jealousy, selfish ambition, and drunkenness. I don't know what you'd call it, but it's not in here. He'd go, no, no, no. Uh, it, no, it's a hybrid, right? It's this hybrid. Like, it's not really any of them. No, no, but if there's anything similar to these things. Okay. As I told you before, so he's saying this isn't new. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things. That, that's to a humble person. Whether we agree, you're going, you mean, God, you're going to keep people from the kingdom of heaven because they get drunk every once in a while? You, you, you mean people can't inherit the kingdom of God even though they're just jealous? Like, what was the last time you had like a really serious conversation about just repenting of jealousy? But, but he's saying here, and, and, and we're going, oh, gosh, I can't believe that God would do that. Okay, most of the time we're okay with the ones that, that, that we don't do, right? Outbursts of anger, hatred. You know, I often wonder, this is what always is amazing to me. I wonder if when brothers and sisters scatter to other places, what they would hear that other brothers and sisters have said about their own brothers and sisters. Like, like that, that's so key because sometimes it's easy to go, oh, no, 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 we're all in the same group together. We're like, yeah, man, I love the Clemson Foothills Church. And, and I get a unique perspective as, as leading the church because I'll, people are more than happy to go, oh, man. Well, so-and-so, they said, you have a bunch of scoundrels. That's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating to me because the truth of the matter is, is I'm like, okay, what part of the Bible do you get away with that in? I mean, he says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. You know, or, man, I had a brother recently come up to me and he says, oh, man, you know what? I got a buddy down in so-and-so and, man, he tells me about so-and-so leading the church over here and, and what his problem is. I'm going, wow, that's fascinating. I don't know what Bible you're living with. I don't know what you're following at that point. I have no clue. I'm like, I have no comment because you're following something. I have no idea of what you're trying to follow. All right. But he, he says here, and we're go, we go, man, Keith, that's harsh. If you think that he's going to keep somebody from the kingdom of God for that. Dude, because you say so. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what I think because you say so. And it's that idea of it's just that's that's God's plan. That's his rules. That's what he says. And we get a deep conviction when we're humble and we understand his way is greater than our way. We become very, like, it's, it's, we're able to go, you know what, man, I can have a deep conviction of sin regardless of what the opinion of the day is. Regardless of just because it's cool to now be critical. You know, I, I can go, no, I don't care how cool it is. I don't care how many churches adopt that. I don't care how many people say it. Man, God says I can't. I'm not saved by my churches. Okay, and so it's that idea of this does help us develop a deep conviction for sin. Sometimes we don't think of humility doing that. Humility allows that to happen. Okay, and finally, you know, Jesus said he came 
to serve, not to be served. Okay. That's amazing to me. Can you imagine? He he said, listen, I I came to, to serve people. He washed his disciples' feet. Like he, he modeled this life of humility to the Father, but also humility. Could you imagine? He could win every, he would destroy every argument he could be in. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, he kind of played around with the Pharisees a little bit. But what if when the Pharisees came to him, he could have turned them into a frog or something? I mean, he could just been boom. And there's like a humility of going, maybe they'll get this. I'm not going to crush them. Okay. Is he modeled this humility? And, and, and this is the thing. When I think of his way being greater than my way, when it comes to being a disciple and following Jesus, service is greater than strategy. Service is greater than strategy. We have so many strategic talks like, yeah, you know what would be great if so-and-so was here and then that person went over there and, and, and then this, their cousin who's awesome and he talks about model cars a lot and he comes over in this group and man, you realize how fired up people would be if that group happened. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of strategy. <laughs> like it's all dependent on like, but that person and this person, Patrick loves blue and purple shirts and Jacob loves white shirts and then uh, Jake, uh, there's the purple shirt. If they got together... Wow. Do you know how awesome that would be? We've all, had, we've all had conversations like this in the spiritual realm. I've gone, man, Ryan's awesome, man. You know Ryan and Jody, the way he knows the Bible, and then Aaron, the way she understands like the big, man, if they got together, do you know how awesome that family group would be? They could sing. They would have awesome apologetics. Jody would be like cranking the Bible teaching. Wow. Why hasn't God figured that out yet? And, and, and that can honestly encompass our life to where we're such like w- church managers that we forget that, oh, what if everywhere I went, I just was a servant? And, and, and God, you figure everything else out. Like everywhere we went, we prayed. Prayer is greater than strategy. Service is greater than strategy. Love is greater than strategy. All of these things... You know what Jesus never taught once was this idea of like this humongo, like, okay, everybody come together and let's have this. Okay, you go here and you go here. Literally, even when he told him to go somewhere, he said, hey, just go to that town. Well, what should we do? Don't take anything. I'll make it harder for you. <laughs> you know, that's not a good strategy. All right, go find the person of peace. How? Don't you have a strategy? Yeah, find them. I'm like, okay, Jesus, did you miss the day they taught ministry in ministry school? Come on, dude. Like, help us out a little bit. No, because here's what he knew. Service is greater than strategy. Proclaiming the gospel is greater than strategy. Loving grace is greater than strategy. It's this idea of going, okay, and you know what I can do in every single situation? I can go and be warm and welcoming, loving. I can extend grace. Right? I can go and become a servant, make them more than me. Let me consider you more important than myself. I can do that in every situation. And, and I would hazard a guess that it would revolutionize everything. And it make us a lot happier. Strategy doesn't make us happy. No one agrees with strategy. 
You just don't. You get maybe five people that are like, that's the greatest idea in the world. And then five other people going, who, what knucklehead came up with that strategy? All right? But th- this is the thing about it is, is everything that Paul wrote to the Philippian church about, about Jesus coming as a servant and about how he obeyed and surrendered and submitted, and that was, that was his strategy. If we were to go and say, I'm surrendering in every situation. I want to know his ways in every situation. I want to know what words he would use in every situation. I want to know when I really need to be firm and when I need to be like, just, dude, come here and give me a hug. All right, there are times for both. You can't do it all the time both ways. But it's this idea of that's the strategy of being a servant and, and, and the strategy of let me communicate your gospel and love in every single situation. But God, some of you guys work in places where you're going, the people I work with, man, how are they going to come all the way to Clemson? I don't understand. How can we like do something like that? I'm going, dude, listen, wherever I am, I don't care if I am like hanging out. Baxter's last service with us today, right? Because he's moving up to North Carolina or Greer or something like that, which we're super sad about, but we're happy that you have a job. But you, you go, hold on a minute. But God, I need a strategy to get the people at my work to find you. Okay, proclaim the gospel, love and serve. But, but, but they're not going to drive to Clement. Dude, pe- people became disciples without like the, the church 10 feet in front of their house. Of going, God, your way is way better, dude. And if you plot me in this job right here, like, like sometimes we do, we think that. If I lived closer to the church, I would make more disciples. I don't know anyone that's true. I mean, unless it's like next door and you're like, oh, hey, we're right here. And you got like the lazy tins going, you know, because it's like they all have to do is walk there. But, but the strategy in our mind oftentimes makes us less zealous. Because we go, oh, I don't have to do this now. I don't have to have this kind of faith because it, the people I work with aren't coming. Instead of going, no, 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 I can serve, I can love, I can proclaim. All of that's greater than strategy. All of that's greater than strategy because his way is greater than our way. His way is greater than my way. I don't care who I'm talking to. God will figure that out. All right? Finally, in Deuteronomy 32, we'll finish with this. Um, You know, Deuteronomy is phenomenal. It's just great, man. I, I love it. I mean, if you, if you get kind of bogged down with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, n- Numbers, okay, thank God for Deuteronomy. He just kind of plops it all just like, <laughs> let me put it in this big old book right here uh, to help out, okay? Deuteronomy 32. Um, I, I love this. Um, it, it, the, the heading is the Song of Moses. You know how many times it's always neat when, I don't know if Moses had a good voice. I don't know, but I mean, people sing like the song of Mary. I mean, you think, oh, Mary must have had a great voice because she's Jesus' mom. Would you love her still if she had a horrible voice? <laughs> what if it was bad? <laughs> you're like, could you imagine? You're like, come on, lady, you're supposed to be Mary. <laughs> sing better. We don't know if there are good singers. Song of Moses, he says this right here. I love this, okay? Uh, right, right there in verse four, I will proclaim Yahweh's name. Like, okay, that's the strategy. Man, I want everyone to hear how great God is. And not just like, hey, God is great, but like in my life. Like this is what he's done in my family, in my life, in hardship, in good times, and bad times. 
I will proclaim Yahweh's name. I will declare the greatness of our God. Then he says this, his, his little name for God, the rock. His work is perfect. Could you say that in all honesty? His work is, or would you go, you know what, man? I think if God, like, figured out what was going on where I am, he'd want to change some things. Like, we have this idea that God doesn't know, that God's not aware, that God doesn't see, that he isn't everywhere. And, and Moses is writing this. He's like, no, every one of your works is perfect. Could you say that? Go, God, everything you do is perfect. The good and the bad and the painful, everything you do is perfect. All your ways are entirely just. Everything, God, you've ever done is fair. That's a hard thing to say for real, huh? Because his, our ways are greater than his ways. Like if I was God, I'd have done it better. I wouldn't, you know, that one family that gets everything, y'all know them. They get all the good things. They got money. (laughs) Keeping up with the Joneses. (laughs) You know that family. They get everything. They get the accolades. They get money so easy for them. Their kids just like, they don't even need, their kids just like grow up knowing the Bible. You know, we, we know them, right? We would go, man, if I was God, he doesn't even realize how prideful they are. He doesn't realize they said a they said a bad word one time. They were mean. He doesn't realize how mean they are to people. If I was God, I'd have doled it out a little more evenly, meaning into my family. Like, no, no, I don't care about y'all's family. Right? Could you say that? God, everything you've ever done is fair. Everything you've ever done, every decision you've ever made is perfect. Right? That's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to his ways are greater than my ways. His ways are greater than my ways. It's going to take some work to to sing like Moses sang here, right? Your ways are perfect. He says, you're a faithful God without prejudice. He is righteous and true. All right, think about that. And, and, And hopefully it kind of unearths, maybe it's just a little part of, our character, maybe it's a big part that is going, no way, man. My way is better than God's way. And I'm not satisfied when things don't go my way. I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy. I'm not going to be joyful. Right? For I will proclaim Yahweh's name, declare the greatness of our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are entirely just.